everybody. Welcome to the Mercy Talk podcast from Mercy Multiplied, where we are passionate about empowering you with biblical principles for growing in mental, emotional, and spiritual health and equipping you to share those principles with others. I am Melanie Wise, and I'm so excited to share with you another Testimony Tuesday episode here on Mercy Talk. Uh, If you are new to our podcast, every few weeks, we like to share a bonus episode where we have a special guest join us uh, just to share their own personal story of healing and transformation. These are stories that we get to hear all the time here at Mercy from people who've maybe either gone through our Keys to Freedom study or through our residential or outpatient programs. And we just want to share more of these stories with you all because they're encouraging and they inspire so much hope and faith. Um, But I just, I say this before every testimony episode, testimony Tuesday episode, but I think it's just so important to say from the outset of these shows, we want you to be encouraged and inspired, not by how amazing Mercy is, or even how amazing our guests are, even though they are amazing, but we want you to be inspired by how amazing our God is. And that is the heart behind these Testimony Tuesday episodes. Uh, we're doing something really fun this year with um, with our Testimony Tuesdays. 2023 is the year that Mercy is celebrating 40 years as a ministry. So this year, we're sharing a testimony from a graduate of our residential program from each decade that Mercy has been in existence. So if you've been following Mercy Talk this year, uh, you've heard a testimony from someone from the first decade, someone from the second decade, and today you're gonna be hearing from someone who was in our residential program during the third decade of its existence. And uh, we're so excited for you to hear her story and to meet her. Her name is Amy, and Amy is a 2008 graduate from our St. Louis home. I'm so excited for you to hear her story. Amy, welcome to Mercy Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. It's going to be fun. Um, (laughs) Just so that everyone knows, like we uh, are very aware that we are on borrowed time right now because we've had some issues setting up the recording <laughs> and Amy has a six month old baby right outside of her door right now. Uh, I know she's got a sitter. Don't worry if you're like, did she literally just leave her baby out there for an entire uh, podcast recording? But um, I just know because I've got littles myself, Amy, it takes a lot to be able to set time aside to do anything. So we are very yes. honored that yeah. um, you have been able to join us today. So I would love for us to just kick off as we usually do with these Testimony Tuesdays and just tell us a little bit about uh, your story prior to coming to Mercy. Anything that you'd be willing to share about that? Yeah, of course. Um, So I went to Mercy at age 24 um, to the St. Louis home. I was actually living, my parents, my dad had moved to St. Louis um, for a job and I was living with my parents because I had been struggling with um, bulimia. I had had Mm. it for about 10 years. Um, Mm. and I, all my money went to the addiction. So, um, I, you know, I couldn't afford to live on my own, but, Mm. um, kind of what brought me to mercy was the addiction. Um, what started in going into high school as just a diet, um, restricting, uh, quickly turns into a full-fledged eating disorder. Um, and the restrictive eating turned into bulimia right away. And then bulimia followed me high school, um, college, after college. Um, so I, I struggled with it every day. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's funny when you start to like think about your past and your story, it seems so, I, I mean, 
you know, I have to try and remember sometimes wow. like what exactly it was like, which is great because there was so much shame, um, mm-hmm. you know, wrapped up in that, in that mm-hmm. addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been to countless therapists. My parents sent me to, um, residential treatment centers mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they definitely weren't passive about getting me help, but then yeah. it came to the point where, uh, my mom, you know, sat me down. I was pretty honest with her about the struggle and we had a, we had a good communication, but she was like, you can't stay in the house. Like, you, mm-hmm. like I'm going to have to kick you out. Like, cause mm-hmm. I don't know, she didn't know what to do. And it was a point of like, she didn't know, you know, if I would be alive the next day. Um, yeah. and so that jolted my head. That was okay. Like I, mercy was my last, I'd say Hail Mary. Of, wow. I have to try something. Yeah. Um, Cause it had gotten every day, countless days or countless times a day. And, um, it was my last resort, I would mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to know, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I do sometimes think, and, and I mean, I can even kind of fall into this category as well. It can be very easy to just assume that people who struggle with any any sort of life controlling issue must have some horrible trauma that's happened to them or abuse or horrible things. But if I am correct, that wasn't particularly part of your story. Um, Kind of what got you to that place? Yeah. And I, um, there was a lot of shame also in that I didn't Mm -hmm. have something, you know, um, horrific happen to me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, why do I coming from loving parents, um, coming from a good family, a Christian family, why, you know, why do I have bulimia? Why do I have an eating disorder? And I shouldn't because I've always been cared for it. I've always been protected. Um, but addiction doesn't care who you are, where you come from, what you do. Um, and I think, um, I think the enemy knew very early on what, um, to grab me with in a way yeah. that was weight being a little chubby when I was younger. Um, it was a little bit of anxiety. I was always pretty fearful about things and, um, you know, control. I didn't realize that I had control issues. And I think mm-hmm. the eating disorder, while it started as a weight loss mechanism, um, it quickly turned into a control and okay, mm-hmm. I can't, you know, control all this other part of my life, but I can control this eating disorder. Um, yeah. and, I think I, I had also, when I think back to my past, I was very shy, um, didn't talk, you know, was very kind of connected to my mom a lot. And Mm. she was a teacher at the school I went to, so I'd stayed close to her. Um, Mm. And so when I started having feelings of insecurity about being chubby and, um, you know, being made fun of for just being a young girl, you know, we all go Mm. through adolescence, but yeah, middle school girls. um, it's hard. The worst. It's, <laughs> yes. And realizing then that like being pretty, being pretty mattered in school, going into high yeah. school. And, um, I lost a lot of weight and got attention. And so for me also losing weight and being skinny was an identity. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel known, I guess, in a way. Um, so, you know, that was something I held on to. but yeah, yeah. I, it was just the right place, right time. Um, mm-hmm. And the enemy got in there and yeah. yep. have control for a while. I just, I, it, it just strikes me as you're saying that, because I think, I do think um, we can 
so many people maybe who haven't struggled with, you know, I mean, everybody has struggles, but people who maybe haven't struggled with a, of a, a really significant life controlling, like destructive, um, struggle or addiction can easily almost kind of just like separate themselves from those who have like, oh, that's like a person, like that's a recovery person or that's a person, you know, and like, it's almost like we, I just can't even relate to them. Like it's a whole different thing. But as you're sharing the things that you were, um, you know, dealing with in your teen years, but also throughout, it was insecurities. It was control. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, uh, image or, or being seen and being not like, These are things that most humans are not like we all at some level have dealt with those types of struggles. I mean, most everyone. I don't know very many people who are like, I haven't dealt with any of that. I've never had an insecure moment, never had control issues. Literally, that's not. And so it's just it's just um, it's just hitting me as you're sharing that. Um, Man, everyone can connect with that. Everyone can relate to that. And so what it's even saying to me is like, this is why it matters that we don't just deal with the big stuff, you know? Um, I think so many people can just be so used to dealing with those types of things. Well, like everybody has control issues. Everybody has insecurity issues. Everybody's got, you know, like that's whatever, you know, and goodness, in today's day and age, everybody deals with anxiety. Everybody's depressed. Like everybody, you know, like that's just, everybody has that, right? You just have no idea how those things, if not dealt with, that the enemy can like get a foothold and really bring you into some dark places. And so, it's just it's just reminding me like these things matter. They might seem small to us or they might seem like, well, everybody deals with this stuff, but they are necessary to look at and address because they aren't, first of all, leading you into fullness. But also yeah. um, you just don't know how the enemy might be able to get in and use those to really bring some wow. destruction, you know. So, yeah, I, I would love to know. Um, anything else you would have to say about just like how you discovered mercy, how that happened? Um, I don't know if sometimes people have really crazy stories about how they found out or their process for trying to get in. Um, and then like, once you got there, what was that like? Like, what did you learn while you were at mercy? What are some, you know, if you have moments that you remember, like, uh, you know, of, of revelation or breakthrough that you had at mercy, anything you could share about that, that part of the journey? Yeah. So I found out about mercy. My mom handed me a book, um, when we were trying to figure out, it was shortly before she told me, you know, we can't do this anymore. This is the last option. It was the book called mercy moves mountains. Mm -hmm. And I read about, um, one of the graduates who went there who struggled with bulimia and bulimia was Mm -hmm. such, I still think it is that it's this hush, hush, Mm. you know, nobody wants to talk about it. So I had never heard somebody else struggling with bulimia. Um, I'd heard anorexia, but bulimia mm-hmm. was almost more shame because it was, mm-hmm. you know, um, just there, just people it's didn't no talk about it. it. So yeah. I read the story about how she went to mercy and she got help and I just knew, okay, like I have to try this. This is my last hope. I was very mm-hmm. nervous. And so actually I applied, um, and normally it takes a while, I think, to get to get in and accepted. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think I would get accepted that soon. But they had – I lived in St. Louis, mm-hmm. and the St. Louis had an opening. And um, a, a young woman at the time named Anu, who was from Finland, was going to go there. But then her visa didn't work. So they had a bed open, I think, like that next week. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, okay, well, Amy, we can take you next week. And I oh, was my like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Like, like no, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah, wait. Like oh, I wow. uh-huh. okay. um mm. so I was 
terrified, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it was, you know, all um, faith focused. And while I, mm-hmm. you know, was a proclaimed Christian and everything, I was, I always thought like people who, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say this in a nice way, women who were uh, like very godly. I was like, how can I even be with them? Like yes. I find those people annoying. Yes. Like I was very, um, like there's just you know, not a connection point there. There wasn't a connection. Yeah. So, and I remember yeah. I'd forgotten this when I went there. Um, Melanie was the program director, and I remember mm-hmm. meeting her, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, these these women like are beautiful, and they wear makeup, and like you don't have to not wear makeup if you're a Christian." And I just remember <laughs> that being such a big deal That's to me because I thought they were going to take away my makeup. I thought they were going to take away like oh, no. my clothes and um you know, I'm girly. So I was like, so that was, I just had, uh, remembered that, but that was a big deal to me. I think God Uh knew. Uh Okay. You know? And so, um, I went into mercy and, um, it was like Bible boot camp in the beginning, you know, you read scripture every day and I just wasn't used to that, Mm -hmm. but, um, I needed that. That's Mm -hmm. what was going to start the change. And so at mercy, um, it was six months of just being in the word and um, like starting to peel back the layers of mm. what, why, how did this turn into addiction and what's the real Amy underneath? And, mm. um, you know, going, starting my journey, I would say mercy started my journey of faith and also showed me that I could live without the addiction that, um, you know, it was not easy. I always tell people, you know, recovery is not linear. My recovery mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't, mm-hmm. okay, you say this prayer and then you're good to go. No, it it's going to be, you know, a, pr- yeah. a very long journey of, yeah. um, you know, of, I don't want to say self-discovery, but like looking into what lies did you believe? And mm-hmm. then where did those lies lead you? And mercy started to uncover Mm-hmm. All that. And I, I mean, I a hundred percent think if it wasn't for mercy, then I, I wouldn't be alive. I think God knew that I needed to be in that moment. Um, and I remember my counselor gave me a manipulation, uh, binder manipulator. And I was so taken back. Cause I looked at her and I'm like, I don't manipulate. Like, why would uh, you think this? And uh-huh. I, I had to learn to. And wow. so, um, that was kind of a light bulb <laughs> moment of, Oh my God. Gosh, What's like, this about? Uh-huh. yeah, like manipulation, mm-hmm. even in recovery and treatment and with my wow. parents. So, um, mercy, not over, not only helped me with faith, but also, um, the shame that I was feeling, you know, started to really uncover all that, mm-hmm. all the, mm-hmm. I would just say the lies and, um, revelation mm-hmm. moment. There were, I, <laughs> I remember saying to the girls there, everybody was like, oh, I just had a revelation. And I was so new to like the yeah. Christian lingo just world. even that, that I was word. Like, yeah, yeah. And I remember telling somebody, I don't hear God. Like I don't have not had one revelation and I've not heard God <laughs> tell me anything. And, um, it, it, and I, there were so many, when I look back, light bulb moments of just yeah. finding hope and moments of you don't have to live with bulimia anymore, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, um, there were so many moments of when like scriptures came to life when I was like, okay, I think that's meant for me. So, Mm, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could stop being weird Christians and using all this Christianese (laughs) language and just call it, maybe we could just call it light bulb moments because that's kind (laughs) of what it is. It's like a light bulb moment given by the Lord. 
They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was another lie that enemy though had told me that like Christians were weird and yeah, yeah. Well, listen. (laughs) Sometimes it's true. Uh, I like. Let's be honest. I, I I really do know. I I I like hearing you say that. Just you know, made me. I don't know. It just reminded me that like we need to be we need to be the kind of people, you know, I just, I don't know. I think I look at Jesus and I'm like, they're the people that were just like crazy drawn to him, yeah. you know, were the most broken, needy people. And yeah. I don't know how great we're doing at that in the church. Cause I'm not sure that I would say like, yeah, broken and needy people are totally drawn to the church. you know. And yeah. so I think it's always worth us looking at why. And just, yeah. I think it's, it's refreshing to hear a story like yours where you're like, well, maybe sometimes they just think we're a little weird, you know? And I know that there would be others who'd be like, well, yeah, we are weird. We're not of this world, you know, but I'm just, I think there's something that, that for you in yeah. some of your experience, it actually kind of turned you away, like turned you off that yeah. what it was, it didn't draw you in. And there yeah. is a way to be different and to, um, you know, be in this world, but not of this world, but not be like almost kind of repulsive to people who, and I think sometimes it also just goes along with um, just the attitude with which we engage with people who don't know Jesus, you know, or the the way in which we even view them internally, because however we are viewing those who are lost or broken, or maybe in in addiction, like the way that we see them is going to come across it's impossible yeah. for it not to. And so I think there's there's a way that we can just love and engage and draw people in who are broken and hurting because that's what Jesus did. So I'm kind of interested yeah. in learning how to do that better. So I don't know, just hearing you say that reminded me of yeah. that. Um, uh, I, would, I would love now to know because uh, I think what you shared about process <laughs> is so important. And I love that on almost every single Testimony Tuesday, almost every testimony I've ever heard of anyone who's been at Mercy and then been out for a few years, that is an absolutely Mm -hmm. recurring theme. Everyone speaks to my journey to freedom did not end when I graduated from Mercy. And we try at Mercy to be very clear about that. You're not going to leave here perfect, but you Mm -hmm. sure are going to leave new levels of awareness. You're going to be equipped with principles that you can continue to walk out um, because it is a lifelong journey. Anybody out there who would be like, I think I'm done. Like, I think I've reached the end of my freedom and healing. Like, trust me, you haven't. You have not. And different seasons of life will unearth new levels of healing that are available to you. I don't know if you would be able to speak to this, Amy, but I know when I had kids, I was like, oh man, I thought I was doing great in so many areas. And now all of a sudden I'm very aware, very hyper aware <laughs> of so many areas that I still want healing in and freedom in and growth in. And so um, is there anything that you would be able to speak to as far as what that specific piece of your journey has looked like, you know, the ongoing? So uh, one of the best things in new who um, we still, you know, follow each other on social media and all that still keep up. Um, but she told me, when I graduated, then she came after and she stayed in St. Louis and she lived, um, Hmm. with, with us for a while. And, you know, I was telling her, man, like I, 
you know, I was doing so good. And then, you know, I fell, I went back to the disorder. I know, you know, and now I'm back on it. And, um, I remember her saying, Amy, you know, like, it doesn't matter how long you stay, um, standing. It's how many times you get back up once you fell, when you fall. Mm -hmm. And for me, that Mm -hmm. was like, okay, God's not up there counting. Okay. You went 21 days and now, you know, like, and I always felt this shame, but for me, once I got that out of my head as how long has it been? How long has it been? And it's funny now because I'm like, how many years has it? I don't even know. Um, mm. So once once I really was able to be like, okay, this, like forget the numbers, forget, like take every day. So that was one of the first things that yeah. helped me was you just oh, keep so backing up. Yeah, you keep going forward with the tools. And um, so like I said, I – don't really know when like the, the bulimia stopped. I can't even really tell you, like, Mm. I can't even think back to when that happened, but I do know, like, so once I was Mm. like, Oh great. Once, you know, I get freed from like the eating disorder, then, you know, life will be perfect. No, like you have, um, I mean, most recently I can say like, you know, there was then being single for a long time, um, even into my thirties and being like trusting God on, you know, not what's wrong with me, but do you even have somebody? There was, you know, kind mm-hmm. of getting that, the insecurity of what's wrong with me. Why, you know, it, it never was yeah. about size or anything, but it was, you know, what God, how can I trust you in this area? And then once you get married, it is struggled with, okay, now we have kids and like, I want to control this and I can't control a baby and I can't control a toddler and I have all these feelings of like also anxiety. And so it continues while it's not an addiction um, and it's not a life threatening um, season I'm going through or journey. It is a, you're constantly going to have to trust God and you constantly have to be in the word. And I know when I'm not in the word, I can let culture start screaming things at me. And it's so easy to, um, you know, my, my husband works at a church and it's easy to want to keep up with the Joneses and it's not always really possible Mm. when you work for a church. Mm. So, you know, there's, you just have to be, you have to constantly be rooted in the word because the trials, you know, hopefully not more addictions. Um, but there's always going to be stuff that, and especially now bringing up a girl, I didn't want a girl because I was like, how am Mm. I, I know what it's like and I know like how mean people can be and I know what society says about you. And I, and I really like, I prayed to God when we found out we were having another child and I was like, I don't want a girl because I, and now now we have a little girl, Dakota. And um, yeah. And my friend was like, but Amy, what better person than mom to give Dakota than somebody who, you know, kind of can pick up on signs and who knows what you need to speak into her life so she doesn't go down that path. So that was a very long about answer to your question. (laughs) No, it's so, it's so good. I just, um, I, as, as you were sharing that I I was, and, and you were, you said, it just requires you to keep trusting God, to keep being in the word, to keep using those tools that you've received. Um, and, and I just was reminded that when we, we talk a lot about process, you know, at Mercy and just how, and I mean, goodness, when you've been maybe struggling in a certain area of your life, 
um, and you feel like, you know what, I think I've, I've really gotten, I think I'm free. I think I'm good. I think I've gotten freedom in this. And then it circles back around in some way or you fall back in or you have a moment of weakness. The way that the enemy will try to get in there and convince you that you never got anywhere in the first place. Like, see, all that work you did, maybe you know, all that work you did at Mercy or all those years that you've been in counseling or all yeah. the whatever, like none of it was worth it. You're right back to where you started. And we will fight that thought like crazy here because we're like, no, no, no. Yeah. It just is the Lord inviting you into that deeper level of healing. Also, I think what you said was so important that one of the reasons I think that the Lord chooses process to continue to set us free is because it keeps us connected to him. It's about relationship. Like that's that's yeah. the the thing he is the most concerned about is living in relationship with his sons and daughters. And so he chooses this route of process. I think in many ways I'm listen, I don't have I don't have a scripture that supports this. I'm just saying I <laughs> I feel like there's a reason that he doesn't set us free in an instant and we never struggle yeah. again, that there is relationship built through process. And honestly, we couldn't handle it all at once anyway. So I think yeah. he knows what we no. can handle, you know? So I just think for so many reasons, process might seem hard for people and annoying, but it's so good. It actually ends up leading us to the thing we need more than we need anything, you yeah. know? Um, and yeah. that is is walking in communion with the Lord. So. Um, I just think your story is such a testament to that. Um, well, here's how I would love to um, just kind of wrap up our time. Amy, I would love to just know, you know, we have people listening who they themselves are struggling. It may, it may yeah. be bulimia. It may be yeah. any number of addictions. Um, we also have people listening um, who have loved ones who are, and they may be yeah. struggling um, just to find hope struggling to reach out for help. What would just be your words of encouragement for anyone who's struggling or has a loved one in that place? I would say um, one thing, I think what I needed to hear and he's as somebody going through the addiction, and I know my mom would probably say as watching a loved one and my, my dad would say this, you're not alone. Like I think addiction mm. is still, thankfully I don't think it is as hush hush, um, but it, it still is you feel so alone in that season. And the one thing is you're yeah. you're not alone because um, I think for me, bringing everything into the light and starting to be honest with my parents, starting to be transparent was like the most, like I had to do that before I was even ready to go on mm -hmm. the process of healing mm -hmm. is you have to be honest. I would tell parents, don't walk on eggshells um, around your child if they mm. have – or a sister or brother, like, I think once people stopped tiptoeing around me and started being honest, while it might've been uncomfortable, it was what, it was what I needed sometimes. Like I needed my mom to say, I can't yeah. do this anymore. Um, so that was the first thing. Um, the other thing is that I, I mean, I'm, you know, I guess people now that when they meet me, they're like, you had a story, you had a testimony and it's not that I'm perfect by any mm. means like far from that is I got caught shoplifting. I stole money from my parents for food. I stole money from my like pap mm. off from, for, for food. Like I was terrible. I lied mm. and I cheated. And um, so I was an awful broken individual before mercy. Mm. Um, and God still had a plan for me. And so I think 
-hmm. no matter what you've done, like somebody could say, well, maybe I'm, you know, I've done too much for God to like ever take me back. And, um, no, like, cause he mm. shouldn't have had a plan for me. Like I, I shouldn't have gotten a second, third, fourth, fifth, 15th and so on chance, but God did do mm. that. Um, and so that would be another thing. And then, mm. um, the last thing would be faith. I mean, I had tried all the cognitive studies and I went to school for psychology and mm. I knew everything about, you know, um, like behavior modification and while that ha while that lasts for yeah so on like until you are willing to put like look at your identity and starting from like who created you and what they said about you from the very beginning which was good and not you know um you know a wretched person which sometimes I think when we struggle with addiction we can think that like but putting God's mm. words mm. into your mind and it is an instant but faith i mean jesus really i would say jesus saved me and you know you might be like no i don't need that i don't need that but for me that was the mm. only thing that like did a lasting chain was being in his word and finally saying okay well he says i have hope like um he says i have yeah. a chance he says i'm still loved and so um those i i would say those were the main encouragement if I could give anybody, um, that's walking, hmm. that's walking that, that path, that journey. That is beautiful. And, um, just such a, such a testament to just his goodness and his yeah. heart. And I just feel like you carry his heart so beautifully, Amy. Um, and I, Aww. and I'm just, um, you know, I, I was sharing with someone, uh, just literally earlier this morning who was talking about someone that they knew who had been in rehab for a while and has just come out and she's doing great, but you know, people always relapse. There's always lots of, you know, people have to go back. And of course I'm not saying as we have literally already made the point that <laughs> healing is a journey. So of yeah. course I will still 100%. Um, I believe in that fully at the same time. I think there's a reason that those programs um, who do not incorporate the healing power of Jesus yes. aren't producing. I mean, that's why that's why Nancy began Mercy back in 1993 oh, yeah. was that these programs that were not introducing people to a relationship with Jesus, they weren't producing transformed lives. And yes, it's been a process for you. But I mean, the fact that you can say today, I like hardly even remember that like yeah. it's hard for me to even go back and remember what that was even like like that is such a testimony to me of a life transformed that is still in process but there has been a radical shift in your life because of the healing work mm -hmm. of jesus um and so i just I, I love so much that that's a big part of, of what you would say you attribute to your transformation oh, yeah. is like it was faith it was god it was the word. Yeah. Um, these are the things that changed my heart. And that's actually what we would say Jesus is after. Not your behavior oh, fix, yeah. you know, getting your behavior fixed up, but your heart being changed. And so um, what a beautiful story and testament to that, Amy. Um, this has just been so awesome. We are so grateful for you um, joining us today. And again, taking time away from your sweet babies uh, <laughs> to be with us. It's really been such a treat. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, listeners, we hope that you were encouraged and inspired by this conversation today. Uh, as our founder and president, Nancy Alcorn, often said, God is no respecter of persons. So what he does for one, he can do for all. If you 
or if there's someone that you love is struggling right now, we really pray uh, that Amy's story just encourages you to know what God is capable of and to really take her encouragement to heart um, as you go from here. Um, as always, if our podcast has been uh, encouraging for you, we'd be so, so grateful if you would help us out by rating the show, writing a review wherever it is that you listen. And if you have any thoughts or questions about what we've discussed, um, or if you'd ever like to share your ideas for future podcast topics, we would always love to hear from you. You can email us at mercytalk@mercymultiplied.com. And to find out more about Mercy Multiplied, head over to mercymultiplied.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Thank you all so much for joining us today. 